0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom, this is Gonic Literature, and we are in a series that I call Sadia Before He Was Gone. Um, and <laughs> sometimes what we're doing is a little bit of detective work, trying to reconstruct uh, what he wrote before he was given... Uh, the title of God. I'd like to say that the Siddur of Rav Sadigon, which is I said a super cedar, it is in a way it, it dwarfs the Siddur of Rav Amram, although uses elements of it. Uh, th- you know, to us, the Siddur is the most uh, standard, normal book that uh, a child has uh, from the beginning of his of his Judaism. The I, the fact was that it it enters late in our history as. A, a necessary item uh, clearly it's important to be able to appeal to god and know what to say uh, and to say at what time and what place the but it, it took a while before the seder or the master at were were uh, written in an organized fashion and sent to the various communities so they should know how to daven as we would say it in yiddish Amram was the first, but Sadia Siddur, uh, in in many ways, uh, stood way beyond. First of all, um, it had introductions, introductions with explanations. The explanations were in Arabic, interpretations, analysis, and also in terms of organization. Sadia starts with the tvivas of the Yochid. Then the tfilos of the tzibur, the tfilos of chol, then the tfilas for special days, um, and he divides them in a in a logical fashion. Um, the tfilos for fast days, and then he starts with Yom Kippur, and then he has the others. Uh, he also includes uh, a number of putim for Shvuot, the Asharos, of course, that uh in which he indicates all the mitzvahs of the Torah and a whole sefer was made from that uh, section of Rav Sadia Siddur. Rucham Fischl Perlel put out a three-volume sefer called Sefer Am Mitzvahs to Rav Gon, which of course is mostly Perwell's own examinations, but it was based on the poetic descriptions that Sadia gives to various mitzvahs. And that's all part of the Siddur. Uh, as well, as Bakashot, that Sadia wrote. Now, he wrote those Bakashot in Arabic. I have uh, I, I could show you some of them. And uh, they became so accepted uh, as part of the Seder HaTfilah that communities throughout Mitzrayim and other places would say his Tfilot, his Bakashot that he felt That he authored, really, and perhaps a byproduct of his own understanding, his own history. And they became the standard prayers in Arabic for dozens and dozens of communities. To the point that the Rambam was asked if they should say a Kaddish after saying the Tfilos and the Bakoshos of Repsadion. So we see how entrenched this Siddur had become. It's quoted often by the Rishonim, but it disappeared. Uh, and for hundreds of years, there was no extant copy by a priest in 1659 who bought a number of Hebrew manuscripts out in uh, when he was working in Syria. And this priest, uh, Huntington, I think his name was, when Huntington died, uh, he sold his estate, sold or perhaps was given to the Bodleian Library in Oxford uh, a, a, a number of Hebrew manuscripts. Uh, Maurice Steinsteider, uh, in uh, in the early part of the 19th century, um, discovered uh, in when he was w- looking through what uh, Oxford's uh, Hebrew manuscript papers were. He saw that this indeed was uh, again, it's mostly in Arabic, and he saw that this indeed was the vaunted and almost legendary up to this point of Sa Gon Sider. Steinschneider worked his whole life as a as a as a bibliophile. Um, his good friend was uh, Leopold or Jum de Suntz. and um Steinschneider said that this discovery. That, and who knows where it was in some corner of the uh, Bodleian Library in Oxford was probably his most important discovery, because of first of all the amount of pages in the There were some missing parts to it, of course, like any of these manuscripts. There were aspects that 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 clearly were torn and missing, but Steinsteiner believed it to be a An incredible find. What's strange, of course, is that it took close to, um, uh, you know, 100 years or so for this work to finally see the light of day. I mean, it was seen by scholars who had access to the the library. Uh, Copies were made. Images, pictures were made. Hand copies and then photographs were made. But um, it, the world was waiting for it. The world was waiting for it. Um, the, uh, the, J, the scholar in JTS, uh, Yisrael Davidson, uh, and Rav Simcha Asaf, both were born in Lithuania. Um, the Simcha Asaf, of course, was in Hebrew um, and remained really always connected to the world of tells yeshiva that, that he was, was, was raised in, but uh, probably the greatest of of the scholars in, in many ways in his field was in a way the perfect person to be involved in this project. He and Davidson um, worked together um it's. Uh, I'm going to mention this because I think it's very important. Um, they realized that they had this manuscript. They felt it needed to be published. They wanted. They needed someone to work on the Arabic in order to translate the Arabic into Hebrew. They knew that it needed notes. Uh, they knew that there were piyutim and other things, which was Davidson's forte. Um, he had written the magnificent collection called Otzer Hashira Vahapayut, uh, which you can get your hands on. It is available some places. You can find it. And uh, what they needed was, was money. Uh, the The Hevra Makitse Nirdomim, which was started in the early part of the 19th century and, and is still around in some fashion today, uh, was going to take responsibility officially to publish it, but they needed to raise the funds. Uh, Davidson... In the 1930s, 1936, although he was in a JTS, he also was a professor at Dropsy College in Philadelphia, was awarded the Bialik Prize, I believe one of the first ones that was given out. At the time, it was $1,000. He took the $1,000, he wrote Asaf, and he said, or Simcha he said, We're going to use, I'll use this money to be, to, Publish to get published. The Siddur of Saadegon and uh he gave up the thousand uh, dollars. They worked somehow with telegraphs and, and other ways. Him wanting uh, Davidson in Philadelphia and Asaf in Jerusalem uh, together with a uh, doctor Yoel who was an expert in translation from Arabic, and they were able to put together. Uh, in 1941 19 i think it was published in 1941 uh, or 42 the sitter of rebsadigon and it at the time was one of the the greatest uh discoveries as, as Steinscheider said and it, it was reviewed uh, by in many many journals as a, a tremendous find and it's unfortunate that in the 80 years since it's been published that not enough people really know how significant this work is. I say, I give you all this background uh, because I want you to understand that there's there are sections in this work that set the standard for what a sitter should be. Sadia knew that this sitter would be for everyone and he wanted it to be logical He wanted to be laid out that everybody could use it. And he also, however, wanted his audience to be knowledgeable. And he inserted into the Siddur a whole section, which we're going to study uh, parts of it tonight, which is the section dealing with brachot. Um, Many Siddurim have sections of brachot in it. Uh, They follow the pattern that Rav set in a way. But Rav Sadio also gives an introduction to all brachot. Uh, and it, e- even those that feel that the Siddur is a product of his later years admit that the section on brachot is probably was probably composed perhaps even in Mitzrayim before Sadya even moved there to Israel or was in Bovel. But even those that say the Siddur was put together later Say that the essential um, structure of the Siddur uh, was something that it was worked on uh, in the in the years before he became Nosi, before he became the head of the yeshiva, before he became Gaon. So I think that I'm on very strong ground saying that what we're going to study tonight is definitely Sadia before he was gone. And even most of the aspects of the Siddur are Sadia beforehand. And as I wrote in the Subtitle It is indeed a super sitter. Um, and uh, all and and really, I think, uh, is a testament to the not only his writing ability, his um organizational uh talent, but the fact that the sitter was so loved, the fact that it was so accepted, meant that people understood that language is. Secondary to feeling and understanding, because it's an Arabic work, essentially, although you're going to see the Nusho Satvila. Before we start, by the way, uh, if I haven't made it clear enough in, beforehand, Sadia, as Ezra calls him, the Reisha Medabra b'chol Mokum, he calls him Ziknei, Ziknei Loshna Kodesh. Uh, Sadia loved our language, the language of Tanakh, the language we sometimes call Hebrew. He was, although his masterpieces, including the Siddur, so much of it was in Arabic, he worked heroically to write the rules of Diktuk, of Hebrew. In fact, it's probably the first work off (laughs) Diktuk Loshan Ivri was written by Sadia. And uh, one of the first works that he wrote uh, I think most people think he wrote it in his early twenties. Was a book called Sefer Aragon, and this was a book that it was a pri- it was a primer to help poets write what he thought would be proper poetic uh, compositions in Loshan Kodesh, in Hebrew. He wanted people to it was like it was it was to help you write your poetry. And it was called Sefer Aragon, and he took uh, letters that had double consonants and double vowels, and in the back of Sefer Aragon, he he dis- he gives you an understanding in Arabic of what those words mean. So you'll understand. weak, people thought and reasoned in Arabic, so it, it, it's really something to 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 wonder at, to marvel at that Sadia was the great, great proponent uh, and, and modeled in some in many of the piyutim that he included in the Siddur of what beautiful Hebrew writing would be. But at the same time, he recognized, for example, in terms of the bakosha, in terms of what needed to be pure, emotional, powerful language, he knew that that would be primarily in, in Arabic. So there should be poetic uh, heights reached in what we call Hebrew, but there should also be uh, very piercing appeals done in Arabic, and 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 he was a proponent uh, strongly, obviously of both. And in fact, as we as Ebenezer calls him, the champion of, uh, in a way, of 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 the Hebrew poetry. So, all that being said, let us take a look at. Sadia, on, as this is, Tu b'shvat. and Tu is a time to think about the Birchos Aperos that we make, the Brochos that we make, on the various types of produce. It might be a... Let's speak about Brochot. V'nomar, let us say the following. Ko'a Brochot, Chal Chiyuvan, B'giyasi B'gareh Brochos are dependent on something occurring. Like all prayers. Prayers have to do with a certain time. Brachot are also based on something happening, a certain time that generates it. And he says, There are some tefillot that are sort of, in a way, not bland, but have a basic pattern. Which is the tfilot of a weekday. miniot. There are some that are distinct, like Chodesh, And there are some that are more than just distinct. They are standouts. They have language that extols and elevates the uh, the what's happening that day. That's ketfilas called chag v'chag. So we have the bare basic structure of tefillah. We have the special tefillah, and then we have uh, uh, the the, the ele- elevated tfilos of the Yomim Tovim. Kena brachot. Brachot have the same three. You have sugyot, you have brachos, which have the basic structure, like shahakol. Or you have ones that are distinct, like baripriyaits. And then you have the special ones, the ones that extol something marvelous. And that is like Agefen, the distinction of having wine. So again, Sadia already uses this literary technique as a bridge from his, because up until this point in the Sidur, he's been going through tefillah. So now he's giving you the bridge from tefillah to brachot. Okay, now that he's done that bridge, he's ready to divide intellectually what brachot should be, how they should be seen. Brachot m'schalkot rishona l'shnei chavakim. Essentially, there's two sections of brachot. There's al mikrim ben mitzvah, situations that a mitzvah is going to happen. mitzvah. <speaking in Hebrew> now, we're going to start... <laughs> in a way with um, where there's not necessarily a mitzvah. (inaudible) If it's not connected to doing a mitzvah, again, it's divided into two. (inaudible) What is that? Either they are kosher to the gufa adam, either they're connected to your body, the actual physical body itself, or they have to do with the sensations That the body is able to apprehend. There's the physical body, and there's the sensations of the body, the chushim of the body. Now, when we talk about the physical body itself, he says there's three parts. What is that? There's eating, and drinking, and activities. Now we're not talking about mitzvah activities. We're talking about normal, everyday activities, mundane activities. But they are done by the body, and a bracha is is, is said. When it comes to sensations, there's also three. One is sight, one is hearing, and the other is smell. And he says, I now need... Since I've now divided into six, and you logically understand these six, I'm going to explain all six. So, as we said, the first one is what we eat. So, let's talk about things that we eat. That could be divided into two there are what actually grows directly from the ground, and what's not growing from the ground. If it's not directly from the ground, then of course we know that's the shahako brocha. And of course those are the meats, uh, flesh from the flesh of animals, birds and fish, Uh, the honey that bees make, the salt that comes from the ocean. All of those, of course, uh, if eating them by themselves you would make shahako. Interesting that he feels people that eating salt would make shahako. Okay, that's a little kibalevich haorah. By the way, uh, Asaf, who was a Talmudist as well, provided uh, these notes. I want to show you. Um, Davidson and Asaf worked out how the notes should be. Davidson was adamant that the footnotes should not be in the back of the book that the font on the page should allow footnotes to be on the bottom of the page because he said we don't want people to waste so much time turning to the back of the book. They also agreed when they were on what the structure of the book would be that it would have two types of notes. And you can see these are um, manuscript alterations on one side, Um, because there were a a couple of different manuscripts that had to be used. And here you would have references uh, to other sources. And that I believe was where Asaf shows his mastery and brilliance. And you can see here. Um, I'm not going to uh, get into all Asaf's points. Uh, It's definitely a limud on its own. And it's important. It's not, let me say it better. Obviously, a true uh, others have already trod this path uh, and have used uh, the siddur of Rav Sadia, similar to the way they would look at the Rambam and Mishnah Torah, because the same way the Rambam used Mishnah Torah as a work for everyone, uh, Sadia used the siddur to be hilchos brachos for uh, the larger community. Comes to. Figuring out, and this is very much Tubishvat territory, things that grow out of the ground, we first have to realize that there are some that grow with a trunk. There's a geza. There's a trunk. The trunk is stable and stays. That is, Those are called fruit trees. Those that there is no trunk, they're growing from the ground, are called grasses. That includes vegetables and all the grains. What is the difference between a tree and a non-tree? It's able to do its job to bring forth its fruit, but the essence, the trunk, the branches stay. That is a tree. If once the fruit, the product, is harvested, the tree, in a way, is not there, it withers, that's not a tree. And therefore, you cannot make a Priya Eitz. If there is also, he says, if it's not... An extension of the root, the 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 trunk. Then, of course, you're not going to make barre However, even in the Priya Dhamma world, there's two types. There's what can be eaten uh, raw, that you don't need to cook. You don't need to cook it up. Then, of course. That would be Adama. And this, of course, is lettuce and endives, carrots, and others. But if you need to cook this thing or boil it, and it's true, he would like to eat it. He, he's He wants to eat it fresh, although you, it usually needs cooking to bring out its better taste, then you would make a shahako. And that, of course, would be all types of gourds, or beets, or anything like that. However, as he explains, uh, the cucumbers and other sorts of melons, those get the bar straight off. Same thing is true, of course, if you decide that you want to uh, chew on different types of wheats, a wheat. A wheat. Cur- if you look in uh, sadhya, it says, Vesuda shenastam it is a meal for you. And the thing that's giving you the filling, the, the filling, nutritious aspect of it is something that's that is developed from grains, but it's not a kikar lechem. And he mentions a number of Arabic things rais, a kabatsa, a samar. These are types of cakes. That do come from wheat or barley, then even though it's a meal, you make a name amazonos. So this I think is an important psak from Rav Sadia, because it's we are used to saying that when you have something that's not really bread, but made like a bread op type of object to type, and it's a meal, and this is provides this sort of prime sustenance for you, that that would be kviyasuda and you would make a mozi, Sadia says you still make amazonos, And even though it's a meal, since bread is, it's not truly what we call lechem, so even though you're full, you would just make avamichya. In fact, if you have a meal, but it's not made from, from breads, item from grains it's from a type of uh rice or other similar sort of material then even though it's a meal you d- and this is a meal all you s- you just say pri priyadama beforehand what causes it to be a bread is it the shape is that why it's a bread so sadhya writes an interesting definition it doesn't have to be in another container; it comes straight onto the table. These other things that he was talking about are served, at least in his time, with a container holding them. And somehow that that's that's that is quite relevant and somehow the container keeps them solid. But if it's something that comes onto the table without the container, it comes straight, and that's a bread. And that gets hamotzi. And the full benching. If you have lechem, but you're having other things in the meal, so he says, things which obviously are meant for the bread to be dipped in, to be smeared on, on the bread, to, to eat together, of course, there's no bracha. But there are things called samar kabitz which don't really go with the bread, but are similar enough to bread that the benching takes care of it. But then you have things which people could bring into the meal which aren't meant to, to, to provide nutrition, and those are people who eat like we would perhaps on a tubishvat Seder, or what's not on Rosh Hashanah, that would be tamarim V'anavim V'te'enim V'sha'ra Peros. According to Sadya, benching doesn't work for them. Sadia holds that you would have to make a brucha, a separate Brucha Achrona for them, a separate Brucha rishona and a separate brocha krona because they don't it doesn't fit as something to be absorbed and include fun of mykolim rabbin biachad let's say you have uh, and this could happen on tubishvat you have a number of different foods that are in front of you im per shonos if you determine based on your knowledge that the brachos would be different for each item, then whatever is eights comes first, and then adama, and then shahako. However, if there's a mazonos, that comes even before the eights. Meaning, chaviv doesn't play a role here. Well, at least a minor role. If you like the, according to Sadia, even though you like, You don't have to eat the the eight items if you don't want to. But if you have watermelon slices and pineapple slices and apple slices, according to Sadia, you have to make the bracha on apples first. If you want to eat apples. You don't have to eat apples if you don't want to. So in other words, Chaviv, according to Sadia, as you see from his Siddur, only kicks in if the brachos are all the same. But if the brochos if there there is a hierarchy, which trumps your chavivos and your desires, so even though you love honeydew, and 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 watermelon much more than the apples and pears, according to Sadia, you since you want to eat the apples and pears, you would make the bracha on the apples and pears first, or according to the hierarchy of brachos. It's only if the brochos are all the same, then you would say Masha um, have the four of the Shivas uh, Haminim. You have dates, grapes, figs, and pomegranates. So, basically, this is the order. Dates comes first. He doesn't quote the pusik to complicate things. He could quote the Pusik in Parsha's Ekev, which shows you which one is close to the word Aretz. And that might be the way another teacher would do it. He would put the Pusik up on the board and show you which one of these fruits is closer to the word Aretz. And the one that's closer to the word Aretz is the one that comes first if you're eating both, which one should, I'm sorry, Sajjah just makes it easy. It's dates, grapes, figs, and pomegranates. That's the thing to remember. Now, because, uh, uh, gr- right, uh, Zaius is anyway usually olive oil. It's usually not going to be uh, olives themselves, although olives are very important to eat and are very healthy for you. But basically, he's assuming that th- these are going to be, this is the order to remember. And if you know this order, Tamar, Anav, Teina, Rimon, that's the way it works. Now, I would like to point out to you the third section of Sadia. Actions that we do with our body, which aren't a mitzvah. The first one is going to sleep. Sadia says the bracha on sleep is Hamapil. Hamapil is a bracha essentially for the activity of sleep. It's a bracha we do when we go to sleep. It's not necessarily a protection bracha, although the bracha sounds like that, as you can see. Save me from the but it's a bracha about sleeping. And therefore it comes first in Sadia's list. He also mentions that before you say Hamapil, then you should say the parash of kriyashma. And when you wake up, that's the next action. And when you wake up, the bracha should be hama v'rechei mafapoi. And how your day starts out. Yir atzom lovanecha, sh'dah gweinu edvar mitzvah, the This is what you should do as soon as you wake up. When you go into the bathroom, that's bracha number three. And as you can see, this is something which has fallen out of uh, our, our custom to actually speak to the angels, so to speak, and tell them that uh, that we, we need, in a way, to engage in activity which is very animalistic in a way. Um, Tzadiyah feels that should be said. Afterwards, we have Asher Yotzar. And it's a very short Asher Yotzar compared to the Asher Yotzar that we're familiar with. And you can see, Asher Yotzar, Asadam B'chochm, A'barah B'chalolim, Chalolim, Right? But it doesn't have the lengthy uh, insertions that we have in our Asher Yotzar that, that we all know but it says now he then gets to the next action which is of course washing your hands and he obviously like the Gemara feels these should be said when you actually are doing the actions um when you open your eyes, when you stand up, which again is the simple pshat in the Gemara. Obviously things changed hundreds of years later. uh, It was codified by the Rosh eventually as the minig of Ashkenazim and others. Eventually it became, the Sephardim still keep the minig of the way Sadia and the Gemara says, which is is when these activities are done, that's when these brachas are said. Now, I'd like to point out something which, I think is a little bit of a chidosh here. After you've done all your clothing, then you make the brocha. Baruch hata, you can see in Sadia's language, he wrote it, in, at least in the manuscript, that, that Asaf and Davidson and Yoel worked on. You can see it's Beis Alefei, Baruch Hashem, Aleph Elokeinu, Melech HaOlam, not shaloh asani goi, shaloh samtani goi. Not shaloh asani isha, shaloh samtani isha. And also shaloh samtani Ovid. Now, the Seder seems to be a little bit different than what we're familiar with. Because we say Isha last, and Sadia has Eved last, which is interesting, because you would assume that there's a hierarchy, that you would have Goy, in a way, the lowest, then you have an Eved, and then an Isha, which is at least higher than Eved. It's interesting that Sadiq has Eved, Goy, Isha, and Eved. I don't have a good explanation. I think it's remarkable that the word is not God made me, but God placed me. Samtani. Samtani. Perhaps Asa has to do with how you were formed and created, and that's not what you're making the broch about. It's your place, samtani, shalos samtani goy, shalos samtani isha. I don't know if this takes the sting out of this bracha or not. We know that the, these brachos for many uh, uh, the women of Klal have have been very difficult to swallow, and they see it as as a misogynistic sort of statement. Is it possible that Sadia's tradition of Samtani was a little less stinging than Asani? In terms of God's Asiya, there is no way to say women are less than men. But in the placement of what the the law and society has determined, then perhaps there's a bracha that your role is a little different and perhaps more full or more significant. Uh, again, I, I, I believe it's a subtle difference, but I think it's important. Rebbe
1: las- I, yes. I, I remember Rabbi Ephraim's Echatzadeh Bracha I, I once asked him about Shaloh Asani Isha. And I, I don't, I'm not trying to say that I remember his words exactly, but it was something like this. And I did, you've just made the connection for me. He said that most men, listen to this, if they were placed in the position of a woman, they wouldn't be able to make it. hmm because
0: of what it takes like it's harder to be
1: like uh, it It just takes more for a woman to carry on in life she has the the difficulties of childbirth she has many uh challenges to go and it's not saying that m- men are better maybe even I, I don't know if it's exactly the opposite but it, it was saying that women are faced with difficulties that men would not be able to handle
0: i i i i think there's an element of apologia in whatever froyum said but i like the connection to rafsadia because yes you I, have mean, I think it, he i think he he may have actually used the word if you were pl- I'm trying to say all god's creatures are equal in the asia but there is at this point a difference in samtani and how he's placed the responsibilities, I think that's really the point that I'm yeah. trying to make. And I think that that if if someone wants to be hurt by what do you mean, I I, I should I should bemoan how I'm made. God makes everything. God's will is everywhere. But samtani is is important, and, and and therefore it's not it's it's not a a repudiation of what they are in essence. Dealing with various mundane activities. Waking up, getting dressed, going to the bathroom, washing yourself, tra- travel. All of these are surrounded by brochos. Now, he says, let's talk about the brochos that have to do with your sensations. Not what you put into your body, but what you sense. And he says, I want to say that the first one is things that you see. Now, there's things that you can see on the earth, things that you actually are close up to to seeing, and there's things that you observe and see in the heavens. He starts with the heavens when you uh, you see th- you see lightning accompanied by thunder when you see shooting stars comets those of course there's the brochos that you make are shikoho mole vo and the rainbow of course is also something that you see in shamayim that's something that you see on the horizon Another Kiddush I saw here was seeing the sun petkufastamus. Tammuz. Now, it sounds that this is not birch achama that happens every 20-something years that he's referring to. Now, he might. It seems like it's every year you would make the bruch on the sun that during Tkufas Tammuz, um, seeing the sun in its strongest power, Sadia feels you should make the bracha Osebarashas. You see the sun every day, but there's something about the magnificence of that summer sun that you make the bracha Um, Sadia's opinion seems to be clearly that you can start making the birchas halavana From the fourth night only until the 14th. That, of course, what we call Kiddish Lavana or Birkas Lavana. And then he mentions things on this earth, things you can see up close. He starts with the Yamagodo. Now, I would assume when Sadia writes Yamagodo," he refers to the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. I don't He's not referring to the Atlantic or Pacific Oceans. He's referring to the Mediterranean, which Sadia did see, and that is the bro. Sadia says you should make a Yamagodo. The rivers are osiberaceous. Oh, Again, he mentions the rivers he was familiar with, which of course are the Nile the Tigris and the Euphrates. Um, he doesn't mention the mighty Mississippi, Bob. Um, <laughs> doesn't mention about that, but L'chore, the Mississippi, would also get oh, sub- Um the, the places of miracle. Places of miracle. So there's three ways you look at miracles. One is a miracle for everyone. Shasa by Yeshua Vakoha Uma, Kriyas Yamsuf, the Yarday, Yericho. That's Shasa Ne Slav Let's say it's a limited miracle, but it happened to Tzadikim. For example, even though it was only one person, but he's more than just one person, or three, right? Like Daniel, the Guvarayos, the Kivshanaesh, Hananya Mishal Vazaria. We all make that bracha. Ne Tzadikim even the netziv Melach of, of the wife of Lot, the Brocha is zohar at meaning Lot was basically, in other words, if you can see, because we can't see stone anymore, but we can maybe see the pillar of the escapee who turned back, so we can see that God remembered the tzaddikim like Lot and based on Avram, and that it also is in a way worthy of a brocha. Not the same as what happened to Hananiah Mishalva Azariah, because it wasn't a nace that saved them. God really destroyed Sodom and Amorah. So you can't say nas but zocher tzadikim you could say. Um, what about if it's just a place that one person was saved? You or your father or grandfather? So that would be the lowest brocha, shalsali nes or lavosai nes b'mokham azem. One last thing, and of course this is all based on, on, on Chazal, but I will just do the last paragraph here. If you see the kings of Israel, cholak michvoda li'reyav, malchi umasa olam, nosan michvoda lebosher bedom. It's important, I think, to note, although Sadia doesn't make a point of it, that there's a difference between Cholak and nosan. Cholak is, in a way, chipping part of the essence and allowing it to emanate and connect to the other party. That is Cholak. And therefore... The the king of Israel that we hope they should, who are they in a way have aspects and of God's own glory, God's own honor, and that's why it's cholak michvodo with a non Jewish king. In a way, as he is an important player in terms of how the planet proceeds how the human beings and the planet will interact is also set up by god but it's not Cholak, it's nosan nosan mkhwoda uboserbedom god sort of gifts it but it's not the it's not as if they are like an active battery element of god itself and i think this difference shows itself in the next bracha, which, of course, is the Chachamim. Chachmei B'nei Yisrael, Shecholak shecholak Michach Yes, it's a part of God's own wisdom, the wisdom of Torah. Chachmei Uma HaOlam, as brilliant as they might be in in, in the sciences and math, there's sort of a transmutation that occurs. There's a distillation as opposed to being a chola, a chilek. Chilek is sort of like, uh, give me a piece of that bread. Okay, here's your chalik. A nesina is wrapped. You go to a store, you buy it, you change it. I use my money and I give this nesina to you. It is from me. You wouldn't have it if it wouldn't be from the person giving it but you're not being machalic, something that's essentially yours, and you're letting that person share something which is inherently part of you. And Sadia confirms what is already in the Talmud itself, but I think that's an important make point to make. Two b'shvat should be a time for us to remember, I believe, that these are the that that are... Especially the ones that remind us of Eretz Yisrael. So let's talk about these brachos about Jewish life. If you see Jewish communities, Moshe Yisrael then you make the bracha, Baruch Matziv Gvul Almana. Now the reason why you say Gvul Almana is because till the Mashiach comes, in a way, we are all bereft. We are like a widow who doesn't have her husband. But we have our place, the Almana, the Jewish people who are waiting for the resurrection perhaps of their uh, of their beloved husband. But the Gevul is here, our, 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 our the parameters of the life that we've built is here, and we know that God is behind it, allowing it to function so wonderfully and interconnectedly, the, the almona. Generally, this broch is assumed to be only made in Eretz Yisrael. If you see the ne- the newest housing project in Lakewood, Mm -hmm. or in Jackson, I don't know if you it doesn't seem you would make this bracha Um, but Sadia doesn't indicate that it's only in Eretz Yisrael, it's possible now again, I don't know if Sadia would disagree he doesn't indicate that this is a bracha he says if you see a place that had Jews, and again, this would be true, uh, Miriam, uh, going perhaps to the old Jewish section in Warsaw, uh, perhaps in a place where there had been a, a, a thriving Jewish community that's no longer there. Or would you only say Baruch Dayanah MS if it would be a place in Eretz Yisrael? Um, Sadia does not does not indicate. I mentioned last week uh that I was moved by the death of my my cousin, Um, and I mentioned how I was going to be dedicating shiurim for Yehud Avram ben Rav Yeshua. So I'll end with Sadia's stipulations for the bracha at a cemetery. Uh, Often, my cousin, I I visited my cousin when uh, on the date of my mother's passing, his mother who was a very close friend of my mother his mother my cousin shifra um was nifteret on hei of and my mother died on vav of so often i would be there when it would be the yurt site of our of our mothers um in the last years of alan's life He wasn't able to travel. It was very difficult for him to even get in a car, much less to be able to arrive at the cemetery. And as you know, the cemetery that uh, in Memphis, the one I'm referring to, is a very hot one. Memphis in August is always very hot. And the cemetery, especially, uh, where the graves were, uh, was in an area where... um, one would swelter and i have to say and i i know my mother and father understand that i would only go or very early in the morning or towards the evening i wanted to spend time there and to stay there in the sweltering uh sun uh without in the uh, without having any shade at all uh was was almost unbearable so I often stood by um my mother's grave, my father's grave, and by my cousin Schiffer's grave on behalf of Alan because it was basically the day of her yurt site the day after. And I would daven for 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 the family. So um I know now that Alan has been restored and reconnected to his mom. Um but I can tell you that when I would enter uh, the cemetery after not being there, this would be the bracha that you make, as Sadia writes it in the Siddur. Baruch Hashem, asher yotzar eschem bedin. He created us with din, with limitation. And for us to live according to his judgments. And he allowed us to survive. He formed us. He gave us life and allowed us to recover often. But it was based on din. And as every human life that we know since the start of this planet ends in death, hemis eschem bedin. And a number might seem insignificant, but there is a number, and each number is crucial to God's plan. It isn't just God is removed from the world. We all have a significance. Now you might say, okay, you're just a number and not a name. The point is we're all part of a mathematical algorithm of creation. And God knows what the number we represent. And therefore, the next phrase is crucial. We're all part of something. We're not just a mistake. We say, in a way, when we get to this cemetery, we speak in recognition of what 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 appears in front of us, those those silent graves, and we speak to them. We speak to them and we we say to ourselves and to them because we are sensing their presence. We're talking to them and to ourselves and saying, That God is going to bring them back up. To a life that is yet to come. Baruchat Hashem, machaye hamesim. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of New York at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.